0: O God, in each sunrise you bring light to darkness, bring light to our hearts today as we hear and embrace your word, your love, and your call to be awake. Amen. This morning I was reminded that it was last Advent Sunday that I actually preached and unfortunately I have a very different sermon today so I apologize on behalf of that from the very beginning. Being awake is not an easy thing. Many people claim that they're awake, like myself, and go through life with a sense of sleep, sometimes as a result of my sleep deprivation because I'll get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and rumble around and not be able to get back to sleep. But being awake in terms of our present day is very difficult and very challenging. In many cases, I'd much prefer sleeping to being awake to all of the ridicule, the anger, the hostility that is expressed daily, the divisions that we seem to create with one another, which is shocking and tragic. I was reminded by my grandson Connor who just came back from Tibet and Nepal it was his gap year program of 70 days and he found in the course of his trip that he went to a lot of monasteries now Connor is a wonderful child not necessarily raised in the church but very sensitive and very concerned about his own life and the lives of others but when he was talking to me, he lit up almost like a bulb and said, Grandpa, I could not believe in my conversation with the monks their sense of utter presence in that moment. He said it was, in fr- it was frightening to me many times. And he said also he watched a debate between two of the monastery monks over some scriptural passage. And he said it was interesting to him that they were arguing so diligently, but they knew that they were seeking a different opinion, not one of theirs changing the other, but rather something new and direct. They were, in fact, very awake. And the power of being awake, being present in the moment, is so critical for all of us. And I've learned out of personal experience in the death of my wife, Sheila, how difficult it is to be awake some mornings, to look at the negative side and to feel the loss and the pain, and finding out that, in fact, in that, I was not awake at all, but trying to hide and hibernate. It was very difficult, and I couldn't quite grasp how I was going to get through this. I made a trip back east and saw my sister and brother-in-law, which gave me a breath of fresh air, particularly their her grandson. She has a grandson that's four and a half. Well, actually, he is now five. He had a birthday since I've been gone. And he says, Uncle Skip, do you want to see me run fast? And I said, Why, I would like that. He took off and tore around the place, came back, and he says, fast, aren't I? And I said, Awfully fast. He says, I know. (laughs) It was a moment of a gift. A child so inspired by the moment. So alive and so refreshing. And I looked at Sharon and I go, wow, what a grandson. And she said, he certainly is. (laughs) And the interesting part is when I went from there to see my, my son and daughter-in-law, or my yeah daughter-in-law and, and my granddaughter in Florida, it was again this spirit of celebration. She was having her 10th birthday and she had a house packed with kids. And at 10 o'clock, the mother finally kind got up because I couldn't sleep even with my earplugs. And she said, the pounding in the door has got to stop Five minutes, and you're going to be asleep. And they were. It was a wonderful experience, in the moment. From there, I went to see my sister-in-law and her husband, Rob. And she is she has Alzheimer's. And I remember telling her that Sheila had died. And there was this flash of sudden pain, but fortunately, in her case, it passed. And it was interesting to me that Sheila had really found in Valerie a very important relationship. She had four sisters, but Valerie was one that was always important to her. Then the summation of my old trip was I went out to Provincetown on the Cape Cod tip, and was able to be with nine of my seminary classmates and five of the wives. And it was intriguing to me because Sheila knew this group pretty well. We were almost every year we gathered with them to celebrate our ministries, to celebrate our foibles, to celebrate our mistakes and pains and issues and talking about our pain with one another in a way that was curative and helpful and spiritually strong. I came back from my trip and the first thing Catherine, Sheila's daughter, said to me, you've changed. I said, what? She said, your forehead's clear, your eyes are bright, and you've got a smile again. And I thought to myself, you know, it was interesting because I took a video from the memorial service with me, and I grieved with a lot of people as I watched it again. But as that grief took place, I was able to transpose the sense of joy and relationship that I had with her. And the joy is what I brought back home. The joy of a relationship that was very profound. And the interesting part to me is what I learned was I needed to be much more awake and much less asleep. The interesting part about the passages this morning, Jesus talks about people not tending to things, not being aware, not being alert. And it's not that we're punished for that, but we lose the grasp of the Jesus experience in light. That we lose the ability to see the tiny miracles that happen all around us over and over again because we're distracted or we're somehow in our own slumber. And I realized on the trip that all of these wonderful relationships, subtle miracles came alive. And I also learned this Thanksgiving because I gathered with Sheila's family. There were 16 of us in Chico and it was such a wonderful delight because in fact my grandchildren all but one of my grandchildren were together and they're such beautiful people and alive and and they're grasping every day at life and light and it was so inspiring to me to be at a table where there was laughter and joy and even expressions of grandma One of our grandchildren had named, Sheila was very insistent about being called Sheila as a grandmother. The parents did not like that concept at all. So they had, the kids got together in a group and they started to decide, how can we do this so that Sheila's happy and also our parents aren't going to be down our throats? And Olivia came up with this idea, well, let's call her Shilama. And it stuck. And Jack, her younger brother, made a beautiful heart-shaped plaque that we have hanging over our kitchen. And it says, I love you, Shalama. And I was so pleased to let them all know at Thanksgiving that the plaque in our memorial garden says, Shalama. Now, so there's going to be a lot of people who are going to ask about that, but to me it doesn't matter because she was, in heart and soul, a grandmother. So anyway, how does all of this come back to us in terms of our own advent, our own expectation, our own need to be awake, to hear God's message? And I swear to you that it is in the smallest little thing that happens in your life that you will see God's light. And it wasn't until a couple, three Sundays ago, I think it was, when we had the baptism at the 8 o'clock service, which I thought was going to be a very interesting experience for the 8 o'clock people because there's a lot of action and activity. And the young girl that was baptized was absolutely marvelous because she walked down the center aisle and sort of waved to people, and that was in their uncomfort zone, and that's okay. And she came back, and she stood up here, and she was up in her mother's arms and down. And one of her brothers would go over and hug her, and she'd go, fine, it was really nice. Then all of a sudden, she'd push him away. And she was sort of active. And it was funny, because she turned to me, and I weighed my little fingers, and then I started making facial expressions, and she was looking at me for the longest time. Well, her mother, in panic, because she was quiet for a long period of time, whipped around, to make sure she was okay. And it was wonderful. And then when the part that I loved the most was after she was baptized, she came right down the center aisle pretty much by herself, like, here I am, and I'm a new Christian, and it's cool. As we left, I told Ginger, just encountered Sheila present. Her pattern, her boldness, her directness was just like Sheila. What a gift to have a little child remind you of the glory of your relationship. It's those kinds of things in our lives that we need to be so critically aware of. Letting those little moments slip by that may allow us to be awake. To be charged with joy and the sense of awareness and a connection to others. It's those little moments that are so critical and we let them pass so easily in our sleep. I'm asking you this Advent to be awake, to allow those experiences to be part of your life as I've begun to really allow them to be part of mine, to have relationships with people that are meant to be personal and interpersonal, and rewarding and fulfilling that in fact their light becomes part of you and your light with them it's in our awakeness it's in our context for relationship that advent is calling us in expectation because when jesus comes at christmas it's our expectations leading up to that to keep things open and available You know, so often when we look at Advent, we think of the separation parts in the gospel story, that one will be there and one will not be there. And the interesting thing, it's not about punishment. It's about being present and losing context. Jesus was not condemning people. Jesus was saying in our awakeness, We are prepared to follow him in love and in peace, in hope, and being inspired about life. I just hope all of us this Advent season can do our justice to being awake, to being conscious with one another, to share that special word with one another that gives us all a sense of peace and hope. And much like the monks that Connor experienced, who were debating biblical passages, not to prove one person right or one person wrong, but rather to come to a third opinion. It was interesting because last night I heard a philosopher talking at a dinner table, and he reminded me of Hegel. And I remember talking about Hegel as sort of a philosopher that was, I saw, because of Marxism, sort of churchless. And it wasn't until I got to seminary that my professor pointed out that Hegel was a devout Christian because in his triads of being and and non-being and becoming, he was actually saying the most concrete thing in life is the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's where he was going with his philosophy. And I remember being so shocked because I had seen him from a totally different perspective. For the first time, I was awake to looking at something brand new from a new point of view that gave me a new sense of understanding. I'm going to end this with a weird kind of comment. I went to DJ's Cuisine in Larkspur love the Chinese food. Sheila did not like it too much. So I've been going there for a few lunches. You know the fortune cookie that you all get? And recently I found them to be trivialized and uh, not very involving. However, as I shared with the confirmation class, I found one that was really shocking to me because it simply said and think about this as you hear the words, I hear, I forget. I see and I remember. I do and I understand. Let us be doers of our expectation. Let us be doers of our Christian faith. Let us learn to be propelled by that gospel message that we need to share our light with others. Amen.